0: Welcome to, and now for something completely machinima.
1: Introduce us, is, Phil.
0: My name is Phil Rice. Thank you. And I'm here with <laughs> with uh, Ricky Grove.
2: Hello. Uh,
0: Tracy Harwood and Damien Valentine. Damien is connected to us from uh, his witness yeah. protection home. Yep. So don't ask about where he is. Don't ask about where paparazzi. it is. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. It's the price of fame. It's the price of mm. fame. So this week we're. We're going to talk about yet another film that is from an engine that we have not seen a whole lot from. I think of of the four films we've done this month, we've seen more from this engine than any other, but this is a Red Dead Redemption 2 film. It's my pick, and it is called The The Modded Wacky West by Bed Bananas. So I believe that this is some kind of sequel um to one that was just called the I believe it was just called the Wacky West. Um I, I really didn't didn't dig too deep into that. I was just kind of obsessed with this film for what it is. And I think what what drew me into it was what at the time I watched it first was the pinned comment on YouTube which said something along the lines of, this is the most accurate depiction of what it's like having a dream that I've ever seen on screen. (laughs) And I read that, and then I read that comment before watching the movie and watched it, and (laughs) now I I can't unsee it that way. (laughs) It really does feel like uh, a dream. Maybe a nightmare, arguably, but uh, (laughs) uh, it's a dreamlike landscape. And and basically, it's this very uh, chaotic journey uh, following, you know, the the character of Arthur from the the game uh, through all these. This kind of bizarre scenarios and it starts off with a bang i mean he's he's crashing to the ground in what looks like a a mangled stagecoach and then just running around and the sky is falling you know it's it's chaos um and it is also at, at times incredibly beautiful um and and very very bizarre um and I think essentially it's it's making use of a whole plethora of different mods that that are now exist in Red Dead Redemption Two, the game. Because having played the game, uh, I don't remember seeing six hundred foot tall children, or uh, or a landscape of you know livestock with their heads in the clouds. They're so large, or hot air balloons that travel basket first. Uh, this is just a few of the things. It's it's crazy. I I don't know much about the. Honestly, normally what we would do is is give it the Tracy treatment, which is dig in, find out what did they do to make this, how did they do it. I deliberately didn't do that. I didn't want to know. And so, if you know, I I'm probably going to plug my ears if you talk about that when it's your turn. But I I I want to know as little about how this was made as possible because it's a real. It's an experience, and I've watched it many times since I added it to the list for my pick. Um, It is is this surreal, strangely hint of a narrative story in there. As weird as that may sound, as chaotic as it was, there is kind of an arc Mm -hmm. with Arthur and, and being almost pursued by this image of this child. And it ultimately gets resolved at at the end in a way. Of course, then there's the end joke where he again gets hit by a flying stagecoach. Yeah, if it sounds like I'm on something, uh, that's how I feel after watching this. It's it's a real bizarre and just wonderful film that I I find I'm laughing at, even though there's not really any jokes in it, per se. Uh, There's not any punchlines, but it's just absurdly funny. And interesting and bizarre. Uh,
2: what did you
3: guys think? Oh my god! Shall I start? Go ahead, because
2: yes, I have Please. no idea what to say
3: yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is—I mean, Bed Bananas is his name, isn't it? This is absolutely bananas. It's—it's it's told in some really strange chapters, and it's to me, it's—it's it's surrealist machinima at its very best. And to be honest, the only other example of this type of machinima that I ever recall paying any attention to was Lainey Voom's push. Um mm. which by the way, Phil has remastered for the Machiniplex channel. But it's the only other truly surrealist machinima that I, I actually remember seeing. And it's kind of got this this kind of wonderful and weird sort of horror movie with kind of shades of some sort of zombie acop- apocalypse. And it's
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's a, it's kind of a, a total nightmare focusing on what seems to be the the dream of you know Arthur's dream. and as I, as I was just listening to you talk there, I was thinking, you know what does it end where it starts? Is it a circular? Is it a repeating dream? I don't know. Mm, but mm. maybe, maybe that's maybe, maybe a good point. yeah, mm. I don't know. Anyway, we've got this kind of third person perspective to this. So he's standing all the way just behind Arthur, and thank God because. He really does have these most wacky experiences. You don't want to be seeing it through his eyes. It's kind of this this nightmarish dream from which he seems to never be able to to wake up. And I I think everything else is in con- control, and he's just completely lost. Can you imagine having this dream? I mean, anybody that says this is a, this is my dream, God only knows what sort of life they lead. To have. <laughs> those those kind of dreams, because my wow. Yeah, I couldn't keep up with it. There's this kind of around the world in 80 days come Gulliver's Gulliver's Travels thing going on too where you've got all these giant and then all these miniature creatures, the miniature. Oh, that's right. I
0: didn't think about Gulliver. That's perfect.
3: It seems to me a little bit that, but but they're all behaving in a way that only Red Dead Redemption assets can. Um, You know, that kind of in that dark way that only they can really. And then this kind of central character, um, this kid, Arthur's nephew. Is he called Jack? I don't know. I think so. (laughs) Excuse me. But it kind of emerges that perhaps the reason for the nightmare is the fact that he's never had a great relationship, sort of, you know, uncle-nephew relationship that maybe is part of the American dream, taking this kid fishing. That's maybe where it's all gone wrong for him. Oh that's a good um, point. Um so he's never been treated as he as, as he as he should have and that seems to be where he resolves the dream t- towards the end. It seems that he finally resolves actually I'll just take the kid fishing and then quack. <laughs> that ending, you know, you just don't even see it coming. Or I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of surprising yeah. in a in a way that I just didn't think anything could surprise me in this the editing, I thought, was 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 perfect for this. Um, it, it's really told through what appears to be gameplay. It's kind of glitchy and jerky, um, but it's also much more than that. Um, the character kind of grunts and moans. There's the odd bit of swearing. There's a there's the 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 faint sort of sound design, which is presumably captured from the gameplay footage. It, it's really all this needs because the visuals are just the most astonishing thing about it. It's it's kind of exhausting, just trying to keep up with what what's going going on, and and however these things have been modded in this kind of this whole environment. I mean, to me, this was this was really just like a surreal painting for the computer game era. Um, I think it can only be described as surrealist. I'm sure history will look at this work and think, uh, in much the same ways, probably that you know Dali's work might have been reviewed and try to explain perhaps the symbolism in it and I you know I, as I was I was I, you know I, I went back on some criticism of um, Dali's work and whatnot and then sort of had another think about this and I actually thought you know perhaps what this is a commentary about is the American dream anyway so you know there's there's a lot of references in this to the whole kind of cowboy thing the relationships between people and there's this fear of death, there's a bit of racism in it, there's poverty, there's wealth, and there's also alcohol. Um, and it's all the kind of the contemporary challenges that people face as well. And it's beautifully captured in this in this kind of film. There is one more thing that I'll mention on this um, because I have absolutely no doubt that the avant-garde uh, community might well pick up on this, but this will be something that they will never um, be able to uh, show in a, in a gallery or at a film festival. And I'll tell you for why, the creators of this have got over a million followers on their channel. Uh, and since it was released in June, 2020, it's been viewed over 16 million times. It's a very clear example for me of, of the things that we were talking about when, when I came back from Oberhausen on the role of community being quite central to the production of this kind of work. Um, and this creator hasn't produced much uh, in the last few years. I'm not really too sure why. Um, although I did discover that they've um, created, him and a couple of colleagues have created something called Sideshow um, with with uh, at least two other gamers, I believe. And that in fact, that is now part of Rooster Teeth, uh, Rooster Teeth's um, Let's Play group. Um, so they're now part of that stable. Um, And as I understand it, looking at um, some of the threads on uh, Reddit and whatnot, it looks like they've also hit some quite big legal challenges with the content that they're creating, Uh um, which might well have clipped their wings a little bit um, for the moment. Um, So, yeah, I absolutely love this This is my favorite of this month. So thank you, Phil.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, you know, I could talk for an hour on this fantastic film. It immediately became one of my absolute favorite machinima films. If you could take a time machine, and go back to 1920s Paris and show this to a gathering of surrealists, you'd immediately, the director would be hailed as a master modernist filmmaker. <laughs> um, I was obsessed with Buster Keaton for quite a while and he made a series of films, one of which was called Steamboat Bill Jr. And it was uh, a parody of the Disney uh, early Mickey Mouse film called Steamboat Willie. And in it, um, Mickey and Buster is faced with a a world that seems to be completely irrational. Objects flying around, because he gets caught up in a hurricane. And uh, at one point he goes through a a barn and he's standing looking around while tumbleweeds and cows and everything are flying by and he turns around and the front of the barn falls down and where the little window is he just happened to be Ah, standing there Uh, right that that famous scene it's a real stunt he did yeah i know um and this idea of this rational person in this irrational world is a modernist theme that even kafka picks up on where Kafka would go into a place and want something very simple, but it becomes incredibly complex. And then the dream elements of it were incredibly appealing. I found it a unique and very funny and very disturbing film. Um, It could not be made any other way, but inside of a, of a game. And the fact that it's a Western genre, as opposed to a modern city cityscape, like, um, Uh, like Bunuel and many of the other serialist filmmakers use as a particular resonance to American viewers, because they know all of the tropes and cliches of the Western. For example, walking down the main street to have a, a shootout. Well, instead of walking down the main street with a shootout, the guy has to face this enormous alligator who's, <laughs> who's coming down the street and he sensibly steps aside. He doesn't challenge the alligator. The alligator goes on by and he continues his story. No explanation. No, his reaction is just a normal reaction to it. It's that kind of weird moment in the film that gives it such such a crazy intensity you know other films that i other scenes that i liked was the big fight on the bridge you know with the kids on the other side and the and he eventually gets grabbed by a fishing pole around the uh, feet and gets dragged all around and then falls down uh, the violence to the central character makes him empathetic the fact that everybody's pursuing him has that dream logic, and so you you put yourself in that character's place, and you say, "Well, God, I got a a troop, massive zombie group of of cowboys trying to get me for no reason that I know of, and I'm just trying to get away." And he ends up being able to get a little bit of relief by taking a bath, but unfortunately, while he's taking a bath, a huge bear comes into the room. <laughs> he tries to avoid it but a woman comes in and the bear attacks the woman and rather than being the heroic person standing up to protect the woman he leaves with the the screams of the woman in the background as he's trying to get the hell away and then it goes into this jules verne mode where they finally they just barely escape this crowd of of people and things and objects and everything up into the air balloons and that finally takes them away and you think you're going to have a moment of peace but then suddenly the world which seemingly is this god mad god world t- takes over and starts moving the balloon sideways he can't get away from it, and they fall and at one point just before the end of it i recall a scene in which the entire world of the game is stripped away and they're in that space that's outside of the game right which is such a weird liminal place and they fall through that is that they're falling through the game back into the solid reality again and you think he's going to resolve the issue with his nephew by just taking him out and then of course he can't because the world comes back and smacks him upside the head. And that's the ending of the film saying, well, it doesn't matter what you do. This irrational world's going to going to grab you and it's going to turn you around no matter how rational you try to be. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. But anyway, it's, it's just a m- little masterpiece of machinima, of crazy machinima that has a rationality to it it keeps trying to be real you know what i mean but the world of the game just will not let them be real and that conflict and that hilarious juxtaposition of sizes and characters just made it absolutely fascinating it's a wonderful
2: wonderful film well i gotta try pulling that up now <laughs> um but initially when i started watching it I was thinking this is going to be like one of those old school machinima films where they're a fan of the game and they decide, let's just go nuts and have fun. But there's so much more to it than just that. Um, and there's still elements of that with how crazy it gets as as the whole, all the way through. But there's this whole theme of the main character. He obviously feels guilty about not treating his nephew the way he should have done. He just didn't have time for him. And the nephew obviously looks up to his uncle and wants to be friends with him and gets to know him better and have fun together you know the way that a young child would and the uncle just said no i can't sorry busy um and he's haunted by this and that that has manifested itself in this nightmarish experience and i I feel i'm glad you mentioned about the dream comment because uh, that makes a lot more sense as well this is a a really wild uh, nightmare experience and i'm kind of glad that my dreams are not quite like that (laughs) um i enjoyed it all the way through i was laughing at just how silly it was but i was also um i felt kind of sorry for the child like because he just wants to connect with his uncle and his uncle had rejected him and i felt like oh i get why the the uncle was haunted by that experience because obviously he realized he'd done something wrong and try and fix it. And when that end scene happened, I had to re watch that bit again because I wasn't quite sure I had caught that right. Because it suddenly it comes out of nowhere and you don't expect it, and then it's over. So I had to watch that bit again just to make sure I've seen it. And then I watched the whole thing again because it was just so good and so fun. oh, yeah, it's a, it's a
1: movie that yields. Great rewards with repeated viewings, you know. I'm gonna,
2: and I think after oh, we finished recording, I'm going to go and watch it again. <laughs> yes.
1: Hey, I have two quick questions for you guys. One is, how do you think the voices and and dialogue was created? Was it just a, an amalgam of captures from various scenes that they were working on? And also, was there? I don't recall whether there was any music in the film. I don't think there was.
0: There was some incidental music. Um, it was very, very subtle. Uh, the one scene that jumps out to me with incidental music is the first time that he goes into the uh, tavern, and I think he's looking oh, for yes. his friend Lenny. And all yeah. the Lennies start showing up, and there's this tense music that just kind of builds up there. And I think that there's some underlying music throughout, but it's just so, it's just so well woven together that like unless you set out to do so, I don't know that you could watch this and pick out the score as like some kind of distinct piece. It's just all all together uh, into a soundscape. The dialogue, that was going to be my one follow-up comment after all you spoke is the one making of question I have is how did they do the dialogue? Particularly yes. his, um, but there's there's times when the the friend he's going hot air ballooning with the two of them say a couple lines. They're so on point. They're so relevant to the scenario that it can't just be that it was randomly captured at the time that that was filmed. You know. Ah, I
1: see. I see. It,
0: it just can't. It's too good. Like there's there's thousands of lines of dialogue that Arthur says that are pre-recorded. The fact that he would happen to say that thing's huge when a modded alligator goes by and takes up the whole street. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. it's possible, but that would mean that the creators of the game had to build an awareness into the Arthur character. Yeah,
1: yeah, not to probable. To observe
0: a modded alligator that takes up the whole street. So no, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Uh, but goodness gracious, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, of individual lines of dialogue. They're not terribly well documented or terribly easy to get your hands on or to trigger from the character. So, wow. Just wow. Yes, yeah. How somebody did that. I I would guess that there was some kind of machine assistance involved there. By that, I mean that if somebody was able to get a hold of a data set that told you what all those lines of dialogue were, or if you got all the sound files, run them all through a speech-to-text thing, and then, then you've got a database with that. I actually, when I was making Obit, I thought I might have to do something like that, and was so discouraged because it's like, man, this is way beyond my skill set here, and I can't, I can't afford to pay somebody to do that for a quick movie. But it's, it's such a disorganized set of data, the da- dialogue. That's a real mystery to me how they pulled that off. Yeah.
1: Other I'd than like to know that too. T- it's
3: twenty twenty when of, when this yeah. was released. It was twenty twenty, so I, I think it's unlikely that they used a generator yeah i I would say it so yeah.
0: capture from some other scene or something and yeah. yeah 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 I don't know it was maybe, also... maybe the person who makes it runs a you know does a twitch stream and they're just streaming hours and hours of content of playing through the game, then at least you've got source files, but to find those lines, so yes. many of the lines feel like they were placed just so because they're yeah. so perfect,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's really an idea
0: that
1: also I mean, the ahead. dialogue, the dialogue wasn't the kind of direct dialogue you have in a standard drama. It was almost incidental, it's all thrown yes. away. Yeah. Like one of a, a repeated phrase that I remember, which was just hilarious to me, was what the hell? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what the, the thing hell is, is that incidental dialogue is built into the game. Like if you just play the game and you're you're controlling Arthur. And if you go to get on your horse and kind of slip off it, he will say something like that, or he will curse under his breath or something. And those are very random. Um, but the fact that these were just so well-placed, it's hard for me to believe that those were random.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: they were captured from those performances, but probably inserted with some deliberation because it's just it's just perfect.
1: Yeah, it's like Dali done. suddenly got an episode of uh, Bonanza to direct. Yeah.
3: yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And he decided, well, we're going to make some changes here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> absolutely,
1: Marvel. He
0: comes in and someone says, oh, "While you are away, we made some changes." To the
1: great, great pick, Phil. Just a oh, so wonderful, wonderful film. It's going to you give know, me pleasure for months it's to come. Really,
0: something special. This is yeah. definitely in my. I don't really maintain an all-time list, but this is in it.
3: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. mine too. all-time
0: great machinima yeah films ever made just yep. just astounding yep so i'm glad you guys enjoyed it too sure did all right that'll do it for this episode be sure to join us next time if you have feedback for us or if you you know agree or disagree with any of our opinions on these films we'd love to hear from you you can reach us at talk at uh what is it talk completely, at completely machinima.com or comment on our youtube video or uh come uh, you know, complain about us on Facebook, wherever you want. Yeah. So yeah. Pay attention. So, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.
2: Bye. Bye.